The iPhone 13 Pro is Apple's latest flagship, and unlike the last two reviews I've written, I've been using this phone for a while, so it's time to put it under the microscope for our full iPhone 13 Pro review. It's a Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we've got our full review of the iPhone 13 Pro, or as I like to call it, the thing I have to use to make my Apple Watch work. You seriously don't know how much I love using this watch, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But now we have to review the phone that makes it go, which seems backwards, and yes it is, but it's my show, so that's what we're going to do. Plus, for tech yeah, we're going to do something a little bit different, so you'll want to stay tuned for that, and we will get to all of that but first of course we have to get to the news of the week We're going to start off the news for this week with some hashtag personal news. A lot of you know that I'm a freelancer for a few different outlets. My main job is at LifeWire with some freelancing and other outlets, most prominently at Android Central and Digital Trends. Well, that's changing because as of the end of this month, I'm going to be a full-time staff writer at Digital Trends in the mobile section. So the good news is it's a full-time job writing reviews and features and other stuff for Big Blue. The bad news is I have to say goodbye to the wonderful people over at Android Central and at LifeWire. Now, of all the freelancing that I've done since the beginning of my career, it's hard to point to two more awesome places than Android Central and LifeWire. Just really, really great people all around, all over there. And the fact that I would have to cut ties with them, believe it or not, was a major sticking point that I had to get past in order to accept this job with Digital Trends. But to be honest, piecing together an income between three different outlets was was at times maddening, and most of the time, it was frankly exhausting. I've forgotten what nights and weekends were like, and I'm looking forward to remembering them again. As of December 1st, I'll be a cubicle smurf at Digital Trends with all of my writing confined to that site. I'm very much looking forward to that. And just in case these people are listening, I want to bid a hearty farewell to Bob, Rob, Sally, Jerry, and Mark over at LifeWire. They are truly the nicest people that I've ever worked with. Over at Android Central... There's really too many to name, but I'm going to give big ups to Jeremy and Nick, both of whom I've seen take huge steps in their respective careers at that outlet, so major props to you two. And yes, this hurts to say, but it turns out I will miss that Android Central CMS. God help me. So what does this mean for the podcast? Not a lot, really. It'll still be the same as it always has been with reviews and news and whatnot. I'll be writing mostly in the mobile space at Digital Trends, but my interests are still all over the place. Conversations have taken place that could have long-term consequences for this show, but those are still very, very early talks. I think it's safe to say that this show isn't going anywhere for a while, except on you know December 19th when the show will take another holiday hiatus just before we launch Season 3, either at or during CES, depending on if Digital Trends sends me there or not. But anyway, it's exciting news for me, and I hope that you can share in that excitement, and let's move on to some other stuff. By the way, you may or may not have noticed something about this show. Whenever I say, hit up the link in the show notes... 
I actually rarely mean your podcast player. Sometimes I put links in there to Tech Yeah, but honestly, I cover so many news stories that they don't really work in the show notes as they would appear in your podcast player. Some podcast players don't support hyperlinks. It's kind of a mess. So I'm going to hang a lantern on this shortcoming right now. When you hear me say link in the show notes, air quotes, it's actually link at benefitofadow.com. But there is a new development. It seems that Twitter bought a newsletter service called Review, and that service allows you to publish a newsletter that is linked to your Twitter profile. So, guess what I did? That's right, the Benefit of a Doubt newsletter is another home to the show notes for my podcast delivered straight to your inbox. To access it, you just need to go to www.getreview.co slash profile slash benefit of the doubt. I'll say that again. It's www.getreview.co slash profile slash benefit of the doubt. That's easy to remember, isn't it? And by the way, for some reason, you need to have the www in there because otherwise it doesn't work. So that's fun. Now, you could do all that, or you could just go to bit.ly slash news, all lowercase letters. Once again, that's bit.ly slash b-o-t-d-n-e-w-s, all lowercase letters. The other option is you can go to my Twitter profile, Dead Technology, and click the subscribe button from there. Now, any of those will get you the podcast and the news links delivered straight to your inbox just like that. Now, you might be asking yourself... Why dead technology and why not benefit of the doubt? Well, it's because I started messing with this under dead technology and it kind of stuck. Sorry. Anyway, so go subscribe and that will be awesome. And now we can get into the news. You may have heard the phrase before, robbing Peter to pay Paul or stealing from Peter to pay Paul or however the saying goes, whichever Peter is getting pissed off and that's really all that matters. Well, this week we find out that Peter is the iPad and Paul is the iPhone because we learned that this week Apple cut back on iPad production in order to feed the iPhone beast. Both devices share some components, including the central processors and the peripheral processing units, and that allows Apple to prioritize what components go into what devices. And it's actually a really smart way to do it. I guess that's why by Tim Cook is the man. There really isn't much more to the story except that Apple does this a lot more often than you might suspect. Meanwhile, people ordering iPads are finding wait times of 30 to 60 days, which is definitely no bueno. Brady Wang, or Wong as the case may be, an industry analyst points out that while customers may have to wait weeks or months for an iPad, they're unlikely to look elsewhere, and it's a lot more likely that someone who has to wait for an iPhone could potentially go the Android route. So, of course, that route includes the Pixel 6 Pro, then I've got some really bad news for you, phone shopper. Now, there's also a tangentially related story that the Nintendo Switch is also cutting back its production by a full 20% because of the chip shortage and possibly due to the fact that the OLED Switch isn't that big of an upgrade, so people will be all like, whatever, bro. But sure, Nintendo, it's definitely the chip shortage. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And the hits just keep on coming because Starlink updated its order page to indicate that some orders are being delayed 
due to the chip shortage. It's starting to get real, people. Meanwhile, Starlink is also officially out of beta, which is kind of exciting. And I don't remember which guest it was who said this, but Starlink is exciting even though it was created to solve a problem that shouldn't exist in the first place. It's hard to argue with that, but now that the chip shortages are affecting Starlink as well, that just makes the whole thing a little more sad. Still cool, potentially hazardous for astronomers, but also sad. It seems this chip shortage, which seemed kind of a distant threat 18 months ago or so, is now coming to a head. We've seen devices get limited or outright canceled because of this chip shortage, which is no good for anyone. Now, supply lines are constrained in the here and now, which is concerning. I don't know how much this will affect the upcoming holidays, but people, trust me, start shopping now. It doesn't matter what holiday you celebrate or when it falls in the future. Start shopping now because it's about to get pretty real and by the way, happy frickin' holidays, everyone. It seems the Netflix of gaming is finally here, and it's not at all what we expected. Netflix launched its gaming service, kinda. I say kinda because there are a couple of caveats here. First, there are only five games to pick from, and two of them are related to Stranger Things. There's also three other games called Shooting Hoops, Card Blast, and Teeter Up. Now, according to all reports, these games are out there, and you'll be able to install, launch, and play them in the Netflix app. My Netflix app doesn't have them yet, so I guess whatever. This is a fairly boring launch, all told, bringing just five games to the table and only on one platform. It's not terrible, but it's also not very good. Five games is a very meh launch, to be frank, so we'll have to see what develops from here. And in the meantime, if any of those games sound appealing, make sure you have the latest version of the app, head on over to grab it, and get to playing, because Netflix really wants you to. Once upon a time, you might remember Google's long-dead collaboration platform called Google Wave. With Google Wave, multiple people could edit documents on the fly and chat with each other while they did it. It was a neat product, so naturally Google killed it after like a day and a half. Fast forward just over a decade, and Microsoft is rolling out Microsoft Loop, which bears a striking resemblance to Google Wave with a Microsoft sticker on it. Just like Google Wave, Microsoft has a development platform that developers can build into their apps for some real-time collaboration tools, and we just can't wait to see what developers do with it. And Jesus. One thing coming to Microsoft Loop is a real-time mouse cursor tracker. It shows not only the changes that are being made to a document, but the cursor positions of those working on it. That is kind of neat, and you can actually see who gives a crap about a collaborative project and who is just hoping they can stay muted with their camera off so no one notices. Will this be any more successful than Google Wave? I don't know, but I do know that I didn't have to watch a three-hour presentation on Microsoft Loop just to watch it get killed off. So in my book... It's already a win. Meta, the crappy company. Eh, no, not feeling it yet. Facebook, the crappy company run by Meta, the crappy company run by terrible people. Okay, it needs some work. Anyway, Facebook announced that it would stop using facial recognition and delete the data that it stored on over 1 billion with a B people. So, you know how you take a photo of someone and post it to Facebook and it suggests that you tag other people that are in the photo and even helpfully tells you who they are? Yeah, that facial recognition. And honestly, I don't know what's more annoying. Knowing that Facebook knows what I look like or having to manually tag all the people in a photograph. Tagging people is 
tedious work, and this is probably one of those cases where I'd actually rather have Facebook know what I look like so that my friends don't have to go through that tedium. All the same, facial recognition has drawn a lot of scrutiny from regulators, and rightly so. To be honest, the whole thing is just kind of creepy, especially when you add on the ooze of this happening on Facebook. It's just gross. But apparently, it's no longer a problem. This also means that you'll stop getting notified when people post photos of you, which could be problematic, especially if you're coming home from that New Year's Eve party and you can't remember where your pants went. But it's probably better this way, especially considering how overall icky facial recognition technology is. So while this probably will cause some short-term annoyance with posting photos to Facebook, over the long term, this is probably a net positive, and no, I have no idea where you left your pants. DJI is the worldwide leader in consumer drones, no question there. DJI is like the Apple and Samsung combined of the drone world. Put another way, it's the Apple Watch of the drone world, if you will. It's pretty dominant is what I'm trying to say. DJI released two new drones this week, the DJI Mavic 3 and the Mavic 3 Cine. The drones are fairly similar to each other except in terms of price and the price is a little bit complicated so try to stay with me. On the low end, <laughs> low end, you've got the DJI Mavic 3 which gets you the drone, controller, battery, charger, and extra set of propellers, and it costs $21.99, $2,199. The Fly More combo gets you two more batteries, a charging hub, carrying case, and a set of ND filters for $29.99. And finally comes the Cine Premium, which gives you all of that, plus a controller with a built-in screen, additional ND filters, a built-in 1TB SSD, and Apple ProRes shooting capability for $49.99. So, yeah, we're not exactly talking Mavic Mini here, folks. Both drones give you dual camera sensors, which include a 24mm lens and a hybrid zoom lens capable of 28x digital zoom. That's pretty awesome. They both get 46 minutes of flight time, which is just forever in terms of drone flight. And they both come with DJI's proprietary OcuSync 3 Plus technology, which gives you up to 15 kilometers of range and 1080p streamed video at 60 FPS. Basically, both of those drones are pretty killer, but they're really also more for drone professionals. You don't buy this drone to zip around your backyard or the nearby soccer field. These drones are geared towards creators and stuff like real estate filming. Needless to say, if you're buying this drone, you're going to need to register it with the FAA, if you're in America that is, and you'll probably want to have your drone pilot's license because if you're not making money with this thing, damn, that's a lot of money to spend. We've heard about the 5G C-band auction from last spring where AT&T and Verizon spent $70 billion with a B dollars on 5G spectrum that should deliver pretty awesome speeds and range. Well, the FAA is raising a stink because the spectrum that was bought is not too close but also not too far away from spectrum used by radio altimeters in airplanes. Altimeters are of some modest importance when it comes to flight, so naturally there's some concern. It's just a question as to how much concern there is, because here's the thing. The spectrum that AT&T and Verizon bought is very similar to spectrum used in other areas around the world, most notably in Japan. And last I checked, 
They have airplanes in Japan, and 5G issues are not a thing over there. So what's the problem here? It's most likely that some airplanes are using older altimeters that are supposed to operate in their own spectrum, but have a tendency to leak into other bands. Think of it like you've got three houses in a row, and the C-band spectrum is the front lawn on the far right. The altimeter spectrum is the front lawn in the house on the far left. Now, there's a whole lawn in between those two, but the altimeter's lawn is mowed by a raging alcoholic who's blind and also a little stupid, and the FAA is concerned that the altimeters might mow their lawn and the neighbor's lawn and even some of the C-band's lawn. The most likely scenario to put all of this to bed is that AT&T and Verizon will probably end up having to pay for, or at least strongly subsidize, new altimeters for, like, every plane in the United States. And the thinking here is, well, gosh, you already spent $70 billion on all this spectrum. What's another 2 or $3 billion for the sake of safety, right? And yeah, that's kind of crap, because airlines should have been properly maintaining their equipment all along, and now they're looking to the neighbors to hire a new lawn mowing service, and that, folks, is what happens when bureaucracy and capitalism butt heads. I've been saying, both on this show and beyond, that the iPhone's lightning port is stupid and outdated and really needs to be replaced with USB-C. As it happens, the EU agrees with me, ordering that all mobile devices need to convert to USB-C by, I think, 2024, and I'm too lazy to go look it up, so I'm just going to say 2024, but suffice it to say, it's at some point in the not-too-distant future, and yes, it probably would have been easier for me to just go look it up, rather than to type all this out in my script, but this is my show, so this is what we're going with. Hey, don't blame me. You're the one who pushed play. Anyway, it turns out that a robotics master's student in the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology decided that, yeah, iPhone should have a USB-C port. So he went out and bought an iPhone 10 and began the process of building a USB-C port into it. He had to do a lot of research and open up some components and source some other components from China, but he was eventually able to wire up a USB-C port into an iPhone 10 that charges and transfers data using that USB-C port. But even further, he put the phone on eBay and the current bid as I write this is $100,100 and who says there is no demand for an iPhone with a USB-C port? Now there are some caveats to this auction. It's only a 64 gigabyte iPhone, gross, and you are not allowed to restore or erase the phone, nor are you allowed to use it as your daily device. Also, ironically enough, the phone does not ship with a charger. So this is a showpiece only, and I get that. And to whoever wins the auction, um, congratulations? I'm not really sure why demand is so strong on this, and I suspect a lot of alcohol was involved in the bidding process. But here we are. Let's all just hope that Apple looks at this and realizes that ultimately, this is the right thing to do. And finally, great news for Twitter and Instagram users. Now, when you post a photo to Instagram and share it to Twitter, you won't just be sharing a text link to the photo. You'll actually be sharing a preview of the photo, very similar to how things were nine years ago before Facebook bought Instagram. There's a lot of history here that goes into the why of this, but suffice it to say the two companies 
didn't really get along all that well. Fast forward to 2021, and it turns out some folks at Twitter and Instagram were having some backyard pizza get-together, because I guess that's how Silicon Valley does things. But the long story short is, big bosses at Twitter and Instagram had some pizza and decided... F it, let's see what happens. And today is the result. Personally, I'm excited for this shift because I typically share techie, nerdy things on Instagram, so I can share those with my Twitter peeps as well. By the way, there's a much longer story behind all of this, as detailed by Casey Newton at The Verge, so give that a look. Link in the show notes slash newsletter. You know what I mean. Backend application API. Bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, compiled, oriented, natural language, build software, blue text editor, bookmark, Boolean operators. Welcome to Tech Yeah! This week for Tech Yeah, we're doing something a little different. You're probably familiar with my fandom of Mark Rober. He's a former NASA scientist turned YouTuber who makes fun and interesting videos about science and the world around us. Well, around this time last year, Rober and Mr. Beast teamed up for Team Trees to plant 20 million trees at $1 per tree. Long story short, they raised $21 million. This year, they're targeting plastic in the ocean with Team Seas. See, it's clever because it rhymes. Anyway, Team Seas is seeking to remove 30 million pounds of plastic from the ocean at $1 per pound of plastic. Same kind of thing. They're raising money for it. I'll include a link to Rover's video in the show notes and as a Tech Yeah link. Rover and Beast are partnering up with Ocean Cleanup, which is an environmental organization dedicated to cleaning up plastic out of the oceans. It's doing this in two different ways. The first is by using a series of boats to clean up plastic from the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is actually two different large garbage collections in the eastern and western Pacific Oceans about the size of Texas. The ocean cleanup has a system of nets that can collect garbage from the patch and pull it aboard ships where it can be ground down into recyclable plastics and reused. The second way Ocean Cleanup is doing this is by building autonomous robot boats parked at the mouths of rivers that empty out into the ocean. The plastics in the ocean mostly come from those rivers where people upstream discard their plastics and let them flow down into the ocean. These robots will collect the plastic as it approaches the ocean and deposit it into dumpsters where it is then transported to a recycle center, etc., etc. Anyway, as you can guess, all this takes a lot of money, and Rover and Mr. Beast are teaming up with a whole bunch of other YouTubers and creators, including, most notably from our field, MKBHD, as a supporter. Anyway, now, Benefit of a Doubt is also a supporter. I donated all the proceeds I will get from the month of November from my Patreon to Team C's. It's about... 50 bucks. Plus, if I pick up any new patrons this month, patreon.com slash benefit of a doubt, I will donate the first month of that membership as well. So if you want to donate to Team C's, you can do that. But if you also want some additional friends with benefit action, that came out wrong, you can join up on my Patreon and the first month will be donated to Team C's. You can join for one month and then drop, that's fine. You can also donate directly, links to both will be in the show notes, so if you're feeling some hippy-dippy love and want to do some good, drop in a buck or a fiver or whatever you want and you'll have my thanks, but for now, let's get back to the show. 
The iPhone 13 Pro is not a heck of a lot of upgrade over the iPhone 12 Pro that I reviewed last year with John Rettinger. So it's a little hard to describe exactly how I feel about this phone, not unlike how I felt about the iPhone 12 Pro. It's a little bit hard to get wrap my mind around because I only use iOS for six months out of the year. So that's why I've got Cliff here to talk to me about it because he doesn't know anything about the iPhone 13 Pro, but he knows enough to ask the right questions. So that's what we're talking about here on the podcast. This is our official iPhone 13 Pro review. Cliff, how are you doing this evening? Excellent. So the iPhone 13 Pro is actually combines a lot of the elements that we that like go into a classic iPhone. It's got the the look and feel of the iPhone 10 because it obviously doesn't have the uh, the uh, the home button it's got the notch but it also has the look of the the iPhone 4 with the squared off edges and the machine drilled holes on the bottom and you know the, the slab the light, sides the the slab sides and the 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 stupid 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 lightning adapter a lightning <laughs> port on the bottom uh there's a triple camera on the back obviously and you know you've got the um are these oh i forget are these aluminum side rails or are they stainless i think they're stainless steel on the pro i think on the pro at are least they with not? the 12 it was stainless steel so i have to yeah. assume they continued on with that yeah yeah, probably. And I've got the Pacific Blue, which oh. is not as awesome as the Sierra Blue. I mean, because this Wait, is a very... Wait, there's two blues this year? Well, no, there was... A... No, Sierra Blue was last year. Or no, Pacific... you got that Pacific reversed. Blue was last year. Sierra Blue is this year. That's it. I like so... this. I like both of those blues, actually. Really. Oh, no, I think yeah. those are the. I think those were the phones that... Okay, for me, those would have been the colors to get. In fact, my wife has a 12 sure. Pro in in that color covered okay. by a case so you can't see it yeah i know well i mean mine are always covered with a case too and by the way stay tuned i am going to be doing a case video for the iphone 13 and now that i actually have some free time but anyway so no like this is the sierra blue which is a very pale blue i don't like it nearly as much as i like the pacific blue but i went with the blue anyway because the other colors just weren't really weren't really doing it for me um but you so know you just went to, with a color that wasn't doing it for you just a little less a little less yeah it was the, it was the le- less of lesser of all the evils um but anyway so just to do a quick um a quick hardware tour you've got the power button on the right side you've got the volume rocker on the left side along with the mute switch which not a fan of uh, spoiler alert uh the, the sim tray is wait, also wait, on wait, the wait, left wait. you're not a fan of the mute switch I'm not a fan of the mute switch because honestly, I keep accidentally turning it on and not realizing that it's on. Because oh. like so few phones of mine actually have mute switches. Like I know it was kind, of, you know, it's a OnePlus thing and it was a WebOS thing, um, but like so few phones of mine have mute switches. I always usually forget it's there. So like I go to play a game and there's no sound and I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? And so I'm like turning up the volume and turning up the volume and like, oh yeah, mute switch. So I have to. Yeah, uh, I get that. I have to I... flip it. I, it's one of those things that I think I'm envious of because I don't have it, but you know I can see the obvious other side of that is where it's accidentally easy to turn on. So, okay. Yeah, it really, it really is. Now, I, I mean, again, I use a case for it, and I'm actually using an Scipio MagSafe case with it. And like, you know, in that case, the mute switch is recessed, so it's a lot harder to flip accidentally. But for some reason, it does, it still does what, get flipped. What are you, what are you doing with your phone? <laughs> 
you know, it's best that you don't ask those things. But yeah, uh, I, in fact, anyway. I don't want to know anymore. Um, and then, like on the front, you know, we've got the same six point one inch display, and actually, a lot of the a lot of the hardware. It carries over from the 12 Pro to the 13 Pro. It's the same size screen. Um, this is an uh, this is a uh, this is a 6.1 inch Super Retina OLED display with 120 hertz refresh rate. Still don't see it. Still don't care. <laughs> um, peak brightness of 1200 nits. So you know, oh my daylight. Goodness. Yeah, daylight viewing is not a problem at all. And uh, the notch is a little bit smaller than it was last year, but honestly. It's still a notch, so I kind of don't care. Uh, um, on the inside, we've got the Apple A15 Bionic, which is blazing fast, super fast. Um, still don't have a uh, a uh, performance test, but, you know, I'm working on it. Um, uh, my particular unit has 128 gigabytes of uh, storage on the inside with 6 gigabytes of RAM. Um, the triple camera setup on the back are all 12 megapixel sensors you've got the the telephoto the wide and the ultra wide and i think that about covers most of the hardware so like there's wireless charging and fun fun story it is november 5th i've had this phone for about a month and a half now i have never plugged in a cable into the lightning port wow so i've been using all wireless charging for you how do you feel about like your experience with uh with just regular bog standard or even like, you know, some of the higher uh, voltage versions or wattage versions of, of, of Qi charging versus the MagSafe stuff, which, I mean, obviously iPhones do work with, with uh, Qi charging. They aren't compatible right. with that, but there is something to be said. I mean, Apple's got their own thing. Yeah, so they've got uh, they've got the MagSafe uh, ch- compatible charging, which is good up to 15 watts. Anything that is not M5 certified, it maxes out at 7.5 watts. So, and I've used all different kinds of wireless chargers. I think most of the chargers that I use are M5 certified, M M M5 MFI or whatever M5 uh, certified. So I do get the the 15 watts of speed of charging, but Honestly, for the most part, I actually don't care because I charge my phone when I sleep, and that's and I, really I guess, about I it. I guess what I meant, and maybe this is something you don't have, and so this would have made more sense if I'd asked you before. But do you actually okay. have like an official Apple MagSafe charger oh, that yeah. locks onto? The, oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got. That was more for so, me. It was like the magnetic part of it because you know I come from the WebOS universe where you could like lock your phone. Yeah, on, on on to what was it called? The, the actual the base. touchstone, touchstone, right? Mm. And, and so to me, like that's very appealing. I think that's really cool, and I'm glad that Apple stole something from WebOS, like everybody else is. Right? Yeah, it's very. It Perhaps. is very appealing. Some people like. Some people actually criticize it because like once that magsafe puck is stuck to the back of your phone you actually kind of need two hands to get it off mm. so like um i know andrew andrew martinick over at um at uh, digital trend said you know he could just kind of flick it off with his thumb if he needs to but personally i like i love the versatility of magsafe um because i've got a vent mount um that mm-hmm. um that attaches to the to the magsafe and it's strong enough to hold the phone even going over like railroad tracks and stuff like that that one came mm-hmm. from um from zag 
or one of their sub brands. I don't know. Mophie. It's a Mophie charger, I think. Uh, so the, the main chargers that I've used for this phone are that Mophie vent mount. I've got the Apple MagSafe charger. I've got the Lenovo Smart Clock 2 with a MagSafe compatible oh, base. that too? Yes. Um, so wait, that's what that's I've been. MagSafe compatible? That's MagSafe compatible. Like, I they did specifically listen to this. I know, I didn't either. Like, I was actually getting ready to write my review for that for Digital Trends, and I was going over the spec sheet, and I'm like, wait, MagSafe? What? <laughs> and, and I had just sold my iPhone 12. So I didn't have I didn't have the iPhone 13 yet, so I had no mm. way to test it. So I actually had to take the clock over to a friend a friend of mine's house who had the iPhone 12 and say, "Can I <laughs> test this?" Um, and then uh, and then the last charger that I used and these like I've I've used other chargers, but the last charger that I used was the Anchor PowerWave Go, which mm. is the one with the battery that comes off. And I also used um, for the one weekend I used the um, the My Charge. That um, that MagSafe compatible battery pack that I did a Techia on a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, uh, the one that I don't recommend buying. Um, but uh, anyway, sorry. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, and that's why it was important to me to have a MagSafe compatible case because I knew that I wanted to always wirelessly charge. I so here's the thing. Like when it comes to the Lightning connector. I, I I assume that Apple has some kind of data that gets sent back, like how often someone plugs in their phone or how often they charge or how they charge. And I'm kind of voting with my wallet in this particular case. I don't like the lightning port, so I never want to use it, if at all possible. In preparation for this review today, I actually uploaded all... 200 photos and 27 videos that I shot with this phone, I uploaded it all to Google Drive just so I wouldn't have to plug in a cable. <laughs> it occurred to me later that I probably could have just pulled it off of iCloud. But anyway. <laughs> so you know that I've heard uh, theories as to why Apple hasn't, uh, you know, considering that they've invested so much in USB-C, I mean, for the longest time with their laptops, all you had were USB-C ports. And so everyone's yeah. like, well, why right. haven't they gone to USB-C with the... Well, they, actually, they have with their pro line of uh, the iPad, but iPad. everything else on, on the mobile side is, is still lightning. The the conjecture is that Apple is going to go completely... Because you can kind of see what they're already doing. I mean, they, they, they've already eliminated the headphone jack, right? And right. so I, the conjecture is, especially since they came out with MagSafe, that they want to go completely portless to right. really have that, that sealed phone and so i mean i'm not saying i don't believe it i i think there could be some truth to that and and i'm not sure i don't i don't know how i feel about that but it is interesting yeah it yeah i i mean that is very possible and i suppose there's no point in trying to re-engineer uh, the wheel if you're just going to be replacing it with jetpacks in two years. Right, so, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, like, yeah, the EU may force their hand, so we'll have to see. Um, you know, this is turning into a bit of a different podcast, but, you know, the now that I think the EU is in the process or has passed the law, I think by 2024, that all devices need to have USB-C as a standard uh, for charging. So we'll see how Apple responds to That's that. Right. It may be with a portless iPhone. It's it just, may be just with a MagSafe charger yeah. that has it that it comes in the box with an. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. It won't even USB-C. come in the box. 
It won't even come in the box. But anyway, mm. so we should probably move on. We've we've talked a lot about the uh, about the hardware. Let's talk about the software for a little bit. Mm. It's iOS. Okay, there we're done talking about the software. <laughs> no, uh, no. There's uh, the one really huge thing that came with the software was the one thing that I really haven't used, which is the focus modes. And the focus modes basically allow you to kind of micromanage your phone so that like only certain things will get through to your phone at certain times so like when you need to focus on work it's only going to send through work notifications like slack or stuff like that when you want to focus on you know meditation it won't let anything through it's just it's it's stuff like that meditation would like, be the most apple Esque thing of like what it would people be. think about their users doing, <laughs> but there's also oh, like a driving mode, so like you know only emergency contacts can break through and stuff like that. And I get it; that's that's all very valuable stuff. And I know a lot of people have been clamoring for that for a very long time. I am not going to yuck their yum, um, but what I will say is that like personally. I have way too much FOMO to, like, risk not getting notifications for something. Like, I don't want to be out with my family and having an editor screaming at me that, like, I need to go in and fix something. Like, you know, yeah, maybe it's family time, but also if there's an emergency at work, I want to be able to fix it. And similarly, if I'm working, I don't want it to be, like, my only my wife that's allowed to break through and say, you know, honey... Um, I'm going to be late. I need you to go pick up the kids. Or, so you, you know, say fo- yeah. you say FOMO, but what you're actually saying is that notifications are very important to you and that well, right. it's, it's too, they're too important to you to try to like triage what is important to you. And, and that's a lot of work to try to like define, you know, for someone like you who, is, and I think everybody knows, you are a freelancing tech journalist, right? So that, right. and, and right. so everything that comes, through to you is probably, I would guess, most of it, you're probably getting, and in my experience, a lot of the times I get stuff like notifications on my phone as far as email before I get it on, like, my desktop, as an example. So right, all of that, really, honestly, I, I can see what, why you would not even want to try to, like, try to micromanage that for the fear that you might miss something if you forgot to check a box. Right. And, and or, you know, maybe uh, and more more accurately, I think what it I think what my what my thing is, is I, I do want to triage that stuff. But I, it takes me one second to look at a notification and determine, is this mm. important or not? And that's all I need. Like, I don't necessarily need to, like, not get the notification. I would rather be in control of what does mm. what notifications I decide are important in the context of what I'm doing. So, like, if I'm sitting there, like, laying there in bed watching a show with my wife... Yeah, I'll reply to an email. That's cool, you know. But like, well, I will if say, I'm... after being with you for a few days, um, your personality is definitely a little bit of a control freak, which I applaud. I mean, it's definitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Get I that. always forget about that, but that because I've been around you a few times personally. But it's just like when I'm around you that I like see. You, oh yeah, it's definitely like you are. You're you're like I don't know if, I, I forget what the like personality test is the CPG and the air like but you're yeah, definitely whatever, an alpha yeah. like yeah so no um but like in general like yeah and and this is funny how like 
um, a discussion about iOS software has talked about has has devolved into like how much of a control freak I am <laughs> because I am. Um, but like no, but like everything else about iOS, I really don't have a problem with. I'm learning to deal with it in my workflow. Um, it was just with the iPhone 13 that I learned if I long press a notification, I can archive an email. Thank God for that because, <laughs> but like notifications are still a, are still a dumpster fire um, because they just pile up and they never go away. And it's like, you know, there's still no number row in the keyboard and what the hell? Yeah. And like, here's my thing. Here's my thing. We are such a security conscious per- people these days. Like all of our passwords need to have uppercase and lowercase mm-hmm. letters and numbers. And if you need to do numbers, it really sucks. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a password, especially with like a combination of numbers and non-alphabetic char- non-alphanumeric characters, it's a nightmare typing in your password. <laughs> so like, Oh god, don't even get me started. So like it's, you know, it's that it that's a big part of the reason I started using a password manager was because like I just want to copy and paste now. I don't want to have to type this Apple crap in. Apple just wants you to buy all apps. The time. That's what it is. That's they do. Forcing you they to. do. Just, yeah. But I mean like the thing is like in the notification center I'll like peri- periodically like every couple of days just clear it out. Like just go in and like hit the x up <laughs> at the this. top and hit clear. Oh, I forgot it has no, that it, now. Yeah. That's right. It has that. Like cuz even Apple knows that nobody is going to want to dismiss all this crap. <laughs> so it's just oh, it's just and like there's still no way to dismiss all of your apps at once. I think can, like can we talk about Apple how like I, to... like Apple needs to embrace the fact that Android users in that respect are not like people think about that, think that the people that want that kind of stuff. I guess some people think that that's like a power user kind of thing. No, that's just not wanting no, eight thousand notifications in your use, drop down menu. It's just a user thing. Yeah. Like honestly, if I if I were CEO of Apple, <laughs> all all of my lieutenants would have Android phones. It's like having the other team's playbook. Seriously, I mean, and and if I were CEO of Google, all of my lieutenants would have iPhones mm. because, like, you need to learn from your competition. And right now, Android is blowing the piss out of Apple when it comes to notifications and keyboard. C- to be honest, so, like, I wouldn't G-board be surprised just, yeah. if quite a few Google executives have iPhones because, let's be honest, <laughs> because, like, like honestly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, besides that, but it's just when I say besides that, it's just I wouldn't be surprised because they. There's a lot of cars cross pollination there, but, but I, I mean, right. Google applications for iOS are are usually pretty good, except for yeah, Gmail. Yeah, that's true. Except for Gmail. No, I, I, I don't even have a problem with Gmail, but like, but like, and Siri is still a dumpster fire. <laughs> Siri's like, okay. For those of you who don't like cursing on the podcast, skip forward thirty <laughs> seconds. Siri is a goddamn fucking moron. So like Siri is a just he Siri is just so stupid. Like just so so incredibly stupid. Hey, hey Siri, get me the phone number for the Walgreens on Golf and Barrington Road. I found sixteen Walgreens within five <laughs> miles of your home. <laughs> Do you want this one? No, I want the one that's on Golf and Barrington Road, you idiot. And, like, true story, this has happened so many times. Coming out of Great America, where is the nearest Wendy's? And it'll give me, the first result will be something that's, like, 26 miles away. <laughs> and it's like, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. So, like, what? I mean, I can show you my home screen. I have, 
I have the Google widget mm-hmm. on my home mm-hmm. screen because, like, I use that for voice search and I use that for normal That's searching so sad. and I use that for lens. It's it's terrible. See what people like, forget is ahead, that Siri was the first like mainstream. It was the first one. Voice yeah, assistant. <laughs> it's like you <sighs> should be at least like in the top three, but. Yeah, and I don't and think she, and it she's is. Just not. Like honestly, she's just. And Cortana not. is dead, and it was better. But anyway, Siri is just terrible, and that's really the end of it. And like, so like iOS itself, it's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's it's legitimately good operating system. Yeah, I would like to be able to move icons a little bit more. Um, a little bit more granularly, like I would like to be able to put icons like specifically where I want them and not have them dependent on having I- icons in front of them to like stay where the hell they are. So like that's fine. Like the app drawer is just stupid. It's organized the way Apple wants it to be. Like there's social and there's productivity and finance. Like what what does Slack have to do with productivity and finance? I guess it is a productivity thing, but like oh, it's just it's. And, like, utilities and creativity. You can't even put this in alphabetical order. Just, Apple, what are you thinking? What are what What is the <laughs> reasoning behind? Like, there had to have been a meeting somewhere where someone said, um, should we just make, make it alphabetical? And someone else must have stood up and said, no, you moron. Why would we want to do that? The, it, I, I don't understand that reasoning. And it makes me angry. They put the Soundcore app in the entertainment category, which, fine, it controls headphones, but that's not entertainment. That's, like, audio. No, so, yeah, like, in three years, they're going to give you the alphabetical list um, that, that will only work by, uh, you know, by alphabetically by developer name or something like that. It's gonna, it, whatever it is, it's going to be, like, so the app drawer is, like, the most Apple part about iOS. It's just, it's so stupid. And it's so, you want to talk about control freaks, can we say that the Apple App Store and the Play Store are both not nearly as useful as they used to be? Like, like it used to be so much more just like structurally organized and easy to find things. And now they just push things in front of you on the main screen. And then you, oh, yeah. you really have to search just to find things. It, it's 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 You have to search for the search button. <laughs> and then you have to, yeah. Yeah, but um, anyway, so so we've been ranting about the App Store and about the iOS software for far too long. It's it's a fine operating system if you're into it. I'm not really into it. Like I can deal with it, and it's fine. And I will deal with it until March because that's the contract that I have with myself <laughs> is six months on iOS, six months on Android. So I'm Wait, just going to suck what it actually, up and deal with that, it. Is that what you do? You like use one main operating system and then you switch. Yeah, I did not yeah. know that. I've been talking about that for a year now. It's the John Ruttinger plan. <laughs> That's probably so the podcast he, I didn't listen to. Oh no, he didn't. T- he didn't tell me about the six month thing. That's just what he does, and I adopted it oh, from him. Okay. But the main reason that I'm going to be dealing with the software for six months is because of the camera. And the cameras, or cameras, I should say, plural, the cameras are all very, very good. And I'm going to skip over the daylight stuff because everybody's good during the daylight. That's not a big deal at all. So I put the uh, camera through my typical 
standard uh, standard test at the uh, Streamwood uh, the Streamwood uh, City Hall, um, and I did my walking around and. Overall, what I'm going to say is the night camera. It, now, I've, it, it's actually while I was studying these photos in preparation for this podcast, I kind of, I kind of shifted it into like a different, a different way of doing it. So, like now, when I'm looking at photos, I'm looking at three different things. I'm looking at the photos on the phone screen. I'm looking at the photos in Photoshop at whatever resolution or whatever magnification it happens to come up at. It's usually 25 to 33% size. And then I'm going full res at 100%. So, like, I'm looking at all three of those because... Then you get to see all the noise and artifacts when you go to... Right. So, like, when it comes to those three different levels, you know, thumbnail... And like, let's just say thirty-three percent and a hundred percent. I mean, I I'm seeing really good stuff at around the thirty-three percent mark. So like, I want to say I don't want to say social media good because that kind of implies that they're only no, good no, when for you social say media. Those percentages. What are you talking about? I'm talking Zoom about like in, the full like... the res like zooming in to like a hundred percent. So you're seeing the full res image, like in like a Photoshop Mm -hmm, or something mm -hmm. like that. So like when I, I've got a 27 inch monitor here. And so when I set Photoshop to fill the screen, I can get about to about 33 to 50%, depending on, you know, depending on the cameras, Mm -hmm. because it really depends on, you know, the megapixel size and, and whatnot. So like when I fill up my screen, my 27 inch screen with an iPhone photo, I'm at, I'm at about 50% actually. And I need to scroll up and down just a little bit. So like at that resolution, you know, the night, even the nighttime photos are really, really solid. Um, There's, you know, and you know, you were talking about like the contrast in the dark areas or the the pixelation, I should mm-hmm. say. I'm not seeing a whole lot of that, to be honest. Like, there's some. I'd be lying if I said that there was absolutely none. This, this is but... a dark. So something where they're they're. I, I don't recall what their their version of uh, what uh, Google calls night sight. But uh, right. uh, I think Apple's is just automatic. I don't think there is a specific night mode that you can switch to. Mm. I believe it does it automatically. Well, I mean, pixel, I'm pixel just... is the same thing. And uh, in low light mode now, like it just it automatically switches to that. So that's gonna be right. But isn't there isn't there an option that you can switch to like a night sight mode on the Pixel? There I thought there was. Used to be. I think. Oh, is it not still, there anymore? I think there still is. Yes. So it's worth pointing out that um, the iPhone does not have a Pro mode. So, like, you'll recall, actually, you might recall, um, I don't remember what conversation, what what we were talking about, but you and I were talking, and I was talking about trying to capture a photo of a spider on my back porch, and I couldn't focus on it because the iPhone wouldn't let me focus on it because there was no pro mode. And in fact, I think I remember going and getting the Pixel and coming, the Pixel 5a and coming back and saying, I'll I'll solve this problem. And then I found (laughs) out that the Pixel 5a doesn't have a pro mode either. Uh, But uh, but yeah, so there's no pro mode on the iPhone, which can get a little irksome, especially when you're trying to do like, you know, product photography and actually specifically product videography where you can like fix the focus and stuff like that. That would be really nice to have. But that's not here. Um, One thing I did want to talk about the in terms of like pixelation is one area where I do see some pixelation in darks is when you have light that is reflected off of a surface. So like when you have like an indoor photo 
that's you know still kind of low light when there's something like metal that's reflecting mm. the light you can see some pixelation in there but honestly it's 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 honestly not that bad <laughs> like and then, uh, and again this is like I really think that's super just where close the camera is. cam any any digital or i'm, I'm sorry but any phone camera is going to struggle with that that much oh, light sure. coming back yeah i think that's true i'm sure but I mean, like, and that's the thing is, like, when you're comparing cameras that are this good, you have to get that oh, nitty gritty in order to find yeah. any kind mm-hmm. of flaws. So, like, in general, it, it would be fair to say as a blanket statement that the iPhone cameras are really good. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, that's that's really that's really the best that you can that you can say about it. Um, you know, one other thing though. Now, the uh, one other thing that iPhone did bring to the table this particular round, but only to the Pro version, was... Actually, there's two things I need to talk about in, fr- in terms of the camera, and then I think we're going to wrap up because we're actually running really yeah. long here. Um, but, uh, but so, um, the iPhone did bring in, like, a macro mode, and only to the Pro versions of the phones. Um, and it uses to... In order to do macro mode, it uses the ultra-wide camera rather than the wide sensor. And despite the fact that the non-Pro versions of the iPhones do have the ultra wide sensor they did not bring macro mode to it for some reason hmm. i don't know why um it's an automatic switch um at the at at when when the iphone first released it was an automatic switch that when you moved within roughly five and a half inches of a subject it would switch automatically to the ultra wide camera for the macro mode um ios 5.1 introduced a switch that would allow you to turn off that automatic switching so that if you want a macro shot you can switch mm. to the ultra wide camera and it will it'll still work the same way but then you have the control over it and that's, i actually kind of prefer that's that awesome um and then the other thing speaking of software the other thing that apple introduced was the cinematic video mode mm. which basically so allows good. you to shift the focus from like one subject to another it works pretty well um, I, I I only I didn't really have much of an opportunity to test it out that much because you know having that means you have to have several willing subjects to be videoed and my, I, my daughter doesn't let me take pictures of her <laughs> anymore and she used to be like my my favorite uh, subject for so now I got to do dogs and the dogs very rarely uh, they don't cooperate stop so yeah. Right, they don't stop moving. So, but no, I did do cinematic mode, and it seemed to do. It did very well when switching between like something that was very close up to something that was far away. Although the the bokeh on the far away subject was not like the the focus on the far away subject was not as tight as I would have liked it to have been. But when you got close up, you know, when you went back to the subject that was close up to you, it was actually quite sharp, and I very much enjoyed it. And so. Is that something that I'll ever use on like a regular basis? Probably not, but it's there. So you know, if you are you know feeling creative, you could probably manage to swing something like that. But really, like that's the main. That was those were like the major additions to the iPhone well, 13 here's Pro. Here's the thing for camera. pros, though, is that they they did introduce ProRes, which is, which is the new codec, right? Mm-hmm. It it is this low compression low compression codec that that is more efficient. And then if you get like the Mac, and then you get that, and then you get Final Cut Pro, it enables you basically really high quality video 
um, but super high compression and getting in when you're rendering video, it's like super fast. Yeah, it, it's potentially interesting for those who who will use it. I'm just not one of them, and that's okay. And I won't either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like, and you know, I already mentioned that the performance is awesome, blazing fast. There's no problems with like you know gaming with any type of like you know creation, um, you know, even some light video editing stuff like that. No problems there. Battery life is pretty baller. Um, I don't. There have been times that I have, like, and I mentioned at the start of a show, I've only used wireless charging, and there have been times that I've knocked the phone off the wireless charger at night, and so I'll wake up, and the phone is in the 40s, and maybe I'll plug, maybe I'll not plug it in, but maybe I'll set it onto a wireless charger during the day, maybe I won't. It's, it, this is very easily a two-day phone with, like, light to medium usage. It's That's really awesome. good. It's really solid. Uh, oh, I can say, with my new official battery test, which, once again, just to recap, includes 30 minutes of navigation, and I did specify with Google Maps, just to keep things consistent, um, 30 minutes of Netflix streaming on Wi-Fi. Both of those two are at 75% brightness. And then 30 minutes of Call of Duty Mobile at full brightness. The battery ended up at 81%, oh which is exactly... Well, that's exactly where the Pixel 6 has been. And it's within... I would say it's within 5% either way of every other phone that I have tested. So... Um, you know, what does that say? I don't know, but, but what I can say is that the iPhone 13 pro is the smallest battery of all the batteries that I've tested by a lot. And so like just the fact that you're, you've got a 3,095 milliamp hour battery compared to the next smallest battery on my list, which is a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. And it's still at 81% when everybody else is at 81 to everywhere between 76 to 83%. That's the range so far. Like that's pretty good. <laughs> like, really good. you know, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really good. Cause and you've like, got the small it's, boy. It's not like you're using the max. Yeah. But that is all the data that we have to share with you for our official iPhone 13 pro review. I would like to thank Cliff for coming on and chatting with me about the iPhone 13 pro. And that will wrap things up for this review. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank Cliff Thomas for joining me and chatting me about all things iPhone 13 Pro. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. You can also reach out to the show by emailing host at benefitofadow.com or by visiting benefitofadow.com slash contact. I'd like to thank Cliff and his co-producer capacity for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.